Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Quorum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Sean Allen. Sean currently serves as a research manager in the product innovation team at Lululemon. Prior to working for Lululemon, she spent over 10 years providing sports science support to athletes and coaches in Olympic, Paralympic, and professional sports across high-performance environments in Great Britain and New Zealand. She began her career as a physiologist with British Swimming before obtaining an applied PhD in statistical modeling of sports performance while working with Swimming New Zealand. In this episode, Sean provides us with two criteria that you can use when evaluating wearable technology that you may want to purchase. We also discuss new sleep technologies, the future of wearables, the value of subjective measures of wellness, and so much more. But before we get started, please do me a favor and take two seconds and hit the subscribe button on whichever listening platform you were listening on, as this is one of the best ways that you can support the show. But now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Sean, if you're a health conscious consumer looking to buy a wearable, they're everywhere. What would your process be right now for evaluating a device and a platform to maybe give it a wing with? The first thing I would say is that I don't think there's one device that necessarily does everything really well. So for the consumer, I would almost put it back to them and say, is there something you wish to prioritize right now? Is there a specific problem you're thinking of working on? Is it sleep, recovery, stress, workout tracking, those kinds of things. And that will help you narrow down which options you might want to start with. And then I'd recommend if you can, trialing some of them yourself for a month or so at least, just to see, does it actually do what I want it to do? And does it, um, is it easy to wear? Those kinds of things. And so during that trial period, there's two broad criteria that I would personally use to evaluate them and their um, scales of value and then friction. And so if I break those down into what they cover for value, it looks at how accurate it is, which we've spoken about, then how actionable the data is from the values that it provides. Can I actually make changes in my life or is it just telling me things that are interesting they're not necessarily useful? And then the final one is how accessible it is. So can I actually get access to my own data and look at it? Do I actually own my data or am I just giving it away to someone else? And then the second axis is friction or ease of use. So there I'm looking at how usable is it? How easy is it to set up and to wear? How durable is it? Uh, I used to have a Fitbit and it broke after three months and I got another one and it broke after three months. So as good as the device is, it isn't that great because it keeps breaking. Is it affordable? Mm -hmm. If you look at some of the continuous glucose monitors available right now, they're pretty expensive for the average consumer, as, as good as they may be. And then finally, is it comfortable? Which is, yeah, can I wear it during sleep? Does it actually disrupt my sleep to wear it because it's uncomfortable or not, for example? So I'm thinking about evaluating each device on those criteria and then looking at, hey, what's the highest value I can get for the lowest friction or the, the highest ease of use, essentially. I love that. That's a great process. What about some devices that may be good for, let's say, sleep? My preference right now is Aura for sleep, but it's not perfect. Are there any other devices that you think are like, if somebody's really interested in like, let's say, sleep, where would you maybe say, hey, maybe look at these couple? Yeah, I think for sleep, as, I, as, I, as we've spoken about, if you really want to accurately measure it, you want to be measuring brain activity. And there are a few devices mm -hmm. that have played around with measuring this. One that I've used in the past was called Dream. 
I know that's no longer commercially available. It's more for clinical trials, but there are products like Muse. They make a sleep, a soft sleep headband. And obviously you're now wearing something on your head. So there's that to consider. So it's this accuracy, ease of use trade-off again. But I did a bit of an experiment as well, comparing Dream against Aura and a couple of other sensors. And uh, the Dream data was much closer to some of those times when I actually, yeah, was lying there trying to get to sleep, but I wasn't asleep. It could tell. It had just greater fidelity and granularity in in um, detecting those events, which is unsurprising because it is measuring your brain activity. So it can see when your brain waves say you're awake and, and when they don't versus something on your wrist or your finger, which is much harder for those devices to do so. Have you heard anything about, I know we both saw the WWDC with Apple and they're talking about the largest sleep study ever done and now they're releasing these stages. Have you heard anything about this? Like, do you think they're going to release any like a white paper or you think they're going to, you know, eventually somebody's going to grab the device and subject it to peer review. But have you heard anything about that? I haven't heard too much about Apple specifically, other than, as you say, like I expect there'll be some kind of white paper or evidence sitting behind it. I know Aura have released one of their own for their updated algorithm, which I don't think is released yet, but they have shown greater accuracy in detecting these sleep stages, supposedly from various physiological signals. But um, again, they're obviously not 100% accurate still. So I think over time with more data, these things will get better, but there is still gonna be that trade-off for some time to come, I think. Okay, what about exercise? What do you, what's your go-to or recommendations for exercise? Which, which devices are pretty good? In terms of wrist-based stuff, I think- Cardiovascular. Yeah, yeah, Apple, was, Apple I think is the best. If you look at the research that's been done and also in my experience, it got, it got closest to the chest strap, but my personal preference is just to use the polar chest strap because it's fairly easy to use. Yeah. And, um, I, if it's important to get accurate data in real time, it's not, uh, too much friction to, to do that. So I just use that. I'm going to be covering this on an upcoming podcast, but one of the things that I'm a little, I want to say miffed about, but whoops, strain metric it doesn't apply when you start lifting weights or doing anything with a high neurological demand, it really goes out the window and it can be misleading and actually end up hurting people. They say it's a cardiovascular metric, but then it applies to everything mm-hmm. else. So if somebody's lifting weights outside of like, there's really nothing great light right now, unless it's like velocity based training metrics where you can, you're getting a proxy for an internal load. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was absolutely my experience as well. And one of the things that I actually did with the, Whoop data was before I opened the app in the morning, I did a bit of a body scan and I said to myself, hey, let's try and guess what I think my recovery score is and Uh then see how that compares to Whoop. And on the days where it was the furthest off, they were often the days where I had delayed onset muscle soreness. I was a bit stiff from doing a lot of lifting the day before because the device itself just has no way of calculating that with the data that it's able to get. And so that might be one place where in the lack of sort of objective measurement options right now, that's where we have to supplement with subjective information. So just doing something like a bit of a scan saying, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how sore am I maybe in particular regions? And you can cross-reference that against what you did yesterday that you know might potentially contribute to that. And then almost factor that in to any kind of scores or other data that you're getting when you're thinking about making decisions about what you might want to do that day. I'm thankful that you brought this up. Subjective measures of wellness. So just literally like a modified Hooper McKinnon where you're, you know, looking at 
rating your perception of your energy or your mood or your sleep or your soreness and then applying some math to that. What do you, what do you, what were your experiences as a practitioner and what do you think about it in the use of the public domain? Yeah, I would say I've had a broad range of experiences from people who rate everything as a seven out of 10 <laughs> because that's just the easiest thing for them to do. And then people who always rate it really high because for some reason they feel like they're always working really hard or they're always tired and people on the other end of the spectrum who don't want to admit that they're tired or fatigued. So I think everyone has potentially their own innate biases around it, which is one of the things that is just important to be wary of. But I think one of the ways in which it can be most useful is almost the process itself, lesser so than the score. And that process is really about mm. something that I've experienced with elite athletes and that the very best athletes know themselves so well that they almost know when to push in training, when to back off, like they're really attuned at listening to those very small signals, their body. And I think just doing this process of asking yourself to rate muscle soreness on a scale of one to 10 or how fatigued you are, it starts to drop you into that state of paying attention to what are those signals in my body and just heightens that awareness that you have. And if you do that every day, it will be the kind of thing that sort of compounds over time. And you may not necessarily notice that you're getting any better at doing this or it's having any like real big effect until, you know, you've done it for a few months or a few years and you start to become a bit more naturally inept at making some of these decisions yourself. So I think that's a really valuable use of subjective data paired with objective data to help you sort of balance those things out and to really grow that sense of interoception or that sense of how well you can oh, you stole the to word. Your, yeah, your internal sensations. I think <laughs> this is a really fascinating concept. Yeah, that was a word I was just about to throw. I think that's something that we need to develop or help people yeah. develop is that what is happening inside. And one of the things we've learned with AIM-7 of all these hundreds of hours of user interviews we've done, like that is like the number one thing that pops up. We have this thing called the A7 calibration and people are just like, I love calibrating mm. because I just don't take the time for it. And now that like I have this moment in the morning where I can think through it, like it's given people a moment to actually honor their body and to check in with themselves and be like, where am I today? And I think that's something that we're in such a fast paced world to literally take a moment and to think is really cool. And then something we've noticed is, is that when people start doing this, they usually overinflate and then they kind of come down over a little period of time to kind of their norm, their baseline. Um, but it's, I think it's a fascinating thing that people should do is just take a moment to work, you know, how do I feel today? What's my mood like? What's my energy like? How am I, am I sore mm. today? How was my sleep last night? Am I motivated? Where do you think, I think you mentioned this before, but the future of wearables, if you look out the next five years, like where do you think it's gonna be? I think there's a lot of things that we're likely to see because it's a pretty fast paced market. One of the things that we're already seeing is more competition in the market. So we're seeing companies like Ultrahuman, Movano, Circular, putting smart rings out there, sort of following in the footsteps of Aura. And so I think we'll see more brands and more options for consumers. And then one of the things I think we'll start to see is new variables that are being measured. So there are companies looking at measuring blood pressure without a cuff, uh, looking at measuring glucose non-invasively. And then Abbott claimed to have a continuous blood lactate and ketone sensor, which could be really interesting for in-workout monitoring. And then I think one of the things we'll also start to see is different form factors. So if you look at some of the research right now, there's some interesting studies using contact lenses, for example, to measure glucose in people's teardrops. And then you can look at 
uh, people who are using headphones with in-ear sensors to measure heart rate, to measure brain activity. There are even papers on wearable tattoos that uh, measure all sorts of variables. And then you have Elon Musk working on Neuralink with implantables and these kinds of things. So I think we'll start to see different sites around the body become accessible and then some of these things potentially become invisible as well, which is really interesting. And then I think a really big one is the improvement of software in this space. Because I think right now there is better data available than there is software to deal with it necessarily. And we also have this issue of these devices don't always measure everything that you want to measure. And so maybe people are wearing a few different devices and then they're looking to make sense of some of their data or they have medical records or they have sports performance data and they want to pull it all together. And so I think we'll see software in those spaces help people make better, more personalized decisions to them that are linked to the specific goals that they have. It's not just a generic kind of recovery or, or readiness score. So I think there's a lot of runway for improvement in that space as well. It's a beautiful picture of what's to come. I really appreciate you. I appreciate your perspective and your honesty. If people want to find you to follow you, where should they look? Yeah, I'm probably the best place is just on Twitter. So it's Dr. Sean Allen. You can find some of the, the past threads that I've shared in terms of my data and then always happy to answer any questions that people have about their own data or any kind of reflections themselves. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to pick your beautiful mind. It's, it's, I just love where you're heading with things and I'm excited to see you know, what Lululemon, Lululemon's got coming out in the future. I'm sure it's gonna be pretty awesome. So thank you so much for your time. No today. worries, thanks for having me, it was really fun. If you learned something today from my discussion with Dr. Allen, would you do me a favor and take a screenshot of the podcast and share it with a friend? Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.